we have started to see the xylazine mixed with fentanyl in our area as well. Sure. So, you know, and my issue with that is that the xylazine, the trank has been going on in Philly now for five years and providers still have not made proper adjustments to detox protocols to be able to treat these individuals. And so there's almost nowhere for them to go. Don't Hide the Scars, a weekly podcast focused on addiction and recovery. Created by the nonprofit Pain, Parents and Addicts in Need, and founded by Flint Anderson. Welcoming to Don't Hide the Scars, Ali Severino. Of course, you might know that name as a producer, host of the docu-series Dope Sick Nation on Viceland. And of course, also we're featured in American Relapse, which uh, is where I first came aware of you. So thank you for joining founder of Pain, Flint Anderson, and myself. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. You bet. Yeah, boy, where do we start, Flint? I, I mean, <laughs> you know, you were joking before we hit recording. You live in Palm Beach, Florida. It seems like the epicenter of a lot of this. this so so well, where's that? Where's that in relation to Delray Beach? Uh, I'm basically a minute from Delray Beach. Okay, now it yeah. all now, now it all makes sense. It's yeah, all coming together. Yeah, so uh, very close. 1500 treatment center, something like that, were shut down over the last, I don't know, five years or so. We have lost a massive amount of facilities and honestly, probably for the better. Many of them were not operating properly. Um, But also with that, we lost a lot of our sober livings. And now with the housing crisis, I bet uh, maybe we're a little bit regretting how we went about just completely shutting them down instead of trying to help individuals become compliant so that we could have housing for right. the most vulnerable today, which we don't. So do you remember the, and I, and I, for some reason, I cannot remember this guy's name, but they actually flew me back there. I want to say this was 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was a, a an ex-professional basketball player that mm-hmm. uh, started a treatment center right in Delray beach. And I, just, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, but I, I, I went to this place, and uh, again, it was, it was, it, I thought it was really cool. Uh, they had several different sober livings affiliated with the place, uh, but then lo and behold, a year later, bam, feds came in. They were doing something wrong that I had no clue about, but. Uh, and that's the hard part of it. Yeah, is they look good. And the facilities are beautiful. And a lot of the time it came down to the insurance scamming, which happens is bad, but insurance also sucks, right? Like we were just (laughs) fighting with them. Like you guys only want to give us 10 days for this individual. Um, You're going to give us 10 days multiple times this year. How about you just put them all together so we can give this person one actual stint of treatment that could potentially change their lives as opposed to this 10 day, you know. Yeah, no, no, you can call it bullshit. Yeah, you can call it bullshit on this show, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, what, and and you're absolutely right. We're seeing, uh, we're seeing that again, depending on who the policy, who the carrier is, we're seeing, you know, average days now of 17 to 20 days combined of detox and residential, but they will pay over and over and over for a relapse. Right. Right. Or, or, the, let's let's give them seven days of detox and put them right into PHP, or the treatment center is actually doing that because they've got another policy coming in right behind that person that's better than that person's, right? 
So yep. it's it's yep. so, so so it just goes back to say that that most of the insurance companies and everybody else that the higher ups, as we like to call them here, are not listening to us. Are not listening to the people that actually know what we're doing and know how to help these people if we're allowed to. Mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent, and that's why you know I took this job uh, for the city. I work for the city of West Palm Beach, which is our largest city in Palm Beach County. Um, and I took that job to really start learning about how does this work? Who makes these decisions? Like, and a peer, in my opinion, should be in the room when these decisions are being made. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's an abomination that so many laws are passed and decisions are made without the individuals that it affects being in the room at all. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Flint's had situations well as our lovely lady here that works with us, Pamela Smith, who lost her son to a fentanyl overdose. And they've been in front of the health and safety committees and shared the stories and told it how it is. And we see it. They just don't seem to care. I, I, I don't know how else to put it. And it's like, if you try to explain the insurance thing, like, well, I mean, they're getting some time. It's like, but you don't understand, especially with fentanyl out there now. Like a lot of people never get the opportunity to say, hi, I need help now. Right. So when we they actually do, it. mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know. Well, and and, yeah. and the other thing, like we always talk about is the fact that let's, let's just call, call a spade a spade, you know, treatments broken down into two separate categories. It's those with PPO insurance policies and, and have the cash to pay for a treatment facility or those that don't, or have a, mm-hmm. a government aid, Medi-Cal, Medicaid, you know, and, and I'm sorry, most of those Medi-Cal treatment centers, right. I wouldn't send my dog to them, you know, um, and and most parents aren't going to do that either, mm-hmm. B- because because if if you even want to split it down further, addicts, in my opinion, again, if you're looking at socioeconomically, you've got people with money and people without, and the people with money are not going to send their kid to some treatment center that they're going to become better addicts and criminals coming out of the place, mm-hmm. and then they're serving and are serving uh, you know hot dogs and and pork and beans every night. Uh, you right. know, I know that's an exaggeration, but but mm-hmm. but sometimes it's not an exaggeration. That's what some of those places are. Yeah. And, well, so down here, I can speak to we don't have Medicaid in the state of Florida. We're not a Medicaid state. So that's not something that is offered to people that are just poor. Right. Either your mom who is pregnant or just had your baby or you're someone on disability. So that's the only way to get Medicaid here. Um But, you know, I I was at this facility that I've been working close with because now our managing entity, the person who receives the funding and then distributes it to providers, and now they're offering grant money for individuals to go to private facilities, which is awesome. Um, But this facility, I just, you know, I've had a a working relationship with them for a while, but I've been hanging out with their CEO lately. And what she did, I just thought was brilliant because, yes, they started off private. They took a defunct rehab center. They ran it into the ground. She came in, grabbed it. Yes, they take private. They're also in network. And then they started uh, taking state Medicaid after they were uh, approved for the Medicaid. Now they're approved for this grant money. So now they have 40 beds and this grant money pays for these individuals to stay there for three to nine months. Really? And it's a beautiful like private rehab center. Like it's very nice. And the Medicaid or state funded people receive the same exact care, accommodations and food 
as the other residents. And so seeing that gave me so much hope because the reality is, in my opinion, working at, in government now for two and a half years, they're not solving anything. Right. Um, and, the, you know, public and private need to be together. And so seeing her, how she was like, okay, we can make money off the private policies and that helps subsidize some of the money we lose on this end and making it work and building up such a large, you know, 140 bed center really gave me so much hope. I was like, wow, this is what we need to see more of like, uh, advocates like that. Yeah. Yeah. Allie, how, how would I go about looking just, just, you know, somewhere online, looking at these policies and, and, and looking at this program. It's uh, the name of the facility is Mandala Healing Center. You want to spell that? Ma- Mandala, like gondola. M A N D A Mandala. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's it's uh it's impressive, and the the interesting thing is uh, that location. So our area has also done a really great job of destroying resources that we have. So that center that they have actually used to be a free rehab center that I attended many years ago. And um, they, I guess, were billing the state for services that they weren't really providing, ended up losing those hundreds of beds that used to be free. Anyone could walk in and just stay there for six months. Um, So we ended up losing that facility. The private people came in, tried to run it, PPOs only. They went out. And then finally, this woman came in and starts to bring that spirit back of what CARP used to be. And, you know. Yeah, I like it. But they've shut down a lot of our centers. Oh, uh, yeah. Like all of them. Well, we've read about that and seen it. So we're, (laughs) you know, pretty aware. But, uh, you know, and I didn't really think of, you know, when when we talk and it's it's the unjust of of literally these are people's lives we're talking about here, but that there would then become that that gap there always is. We saw it no different than like the opioid crisis. Well, all right, we're giving people all these opioids. Now we're going to tighten up policy. And then they're like, uh, kind of hooked on this thing. What am I going to do? I'm going to go to the streets. It's kind mm-hmm. of a similar situation with what we're seeing, unfortunately, with treatment and, and reliable treatment. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean exactly. I mean... New Perceptions North, the premier drug and alcohol treatment and recovery center in Central California. A full continuum of medically supervised top quality care with programs for detox, inpatient residential treatment with dual diagnosis, intensive outpatient treatment, sober living, support groups, and more. With 50 plus years of combined experience and sobriety, Flint Anderson and Thelma Gatlin Wilson provide adult men and women with the highest caliber of professional health care, treating each client with compassion and respect in a safe, comfortable environment to begin the process of recovery to proudly create and sustain a life without addiction, call 559-978-1507 or visit newperceptionsnorth.com. I, I want to ask you, um, because, you know, we all know that um, Oxy was a huge part of the Florida mess, you know, way, way back when. Um, are you seeing much OxyContin anymore down there? No, I didn't think so. No, yeah, We haven't yeah, had pill because yeah. uh, that was my story. You know, yeah. I was very involved in the pill mills, the doctor shopping. I got arrested for all of that. 
And so that was very much my story. And it was very much how all my friends became uh, addicted to opiates. I'm one of the lucky few, like literally very, maybe one other person that didn't make that next jump to heroin yeah. um, out of my friend group. And one of the only ones that are really still alive from my friend group from high school. Right. Um, so no, we don't see that, but we do have the fake press pills. And right now, you know, I do street outreach. So I'm on the street every day dealing with any person who's experiencing homelessness and addiction. And uh, we're seeing a massive increase of bath salts though, which Are basically disappeared. Really? Yeah, for years. And now it's just, wow. it feels like it's fully back. It feels like it never left. And um, so that's a concern for me in my area. And the second concern is we have started to see the xylazine mixed with fentanyl in our area as well. Sure. So, you know, and my issue with that is that the xylazine, the trank has been going on in Philly now for five years and providers still have not made proper adjustments to detox protocols to be able to treat these individuals. And so there's almost nowhere for them to go because I don't, they're not either taking the time to learn how to treat it or don't have the pressure or I don't know what it is, but I feel so much for those individuals. And we also know that uh, the trend causes these uh, sores, right? Your, your skin. And it's, it's basically what happens is if you get a cut, it just doesn't allow it to heal. Right. right? So it doesn't create the scar or whatever it is but if you have one it's not going to go away and it's going to keep growing and growing um and now we know when we have somebody with those kind of wounds are they going to be allowed in detox no they no, need to go get no. medically cleared right, right but right. so while they're getting medically cleared and they're finding all these other problems who's dosing them it's a nightmare it's a nightmare one of the other things that was presented to us, and I didn't know this, we recently had the head of uh, DALA division, um, Bill Bodner, on, and he said that the xylazine isn't even a Schedule One substance. Right. So it's not even a legal right. substance. No, yeah, you can buy it on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's well, and 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 along with the xylazine is is that they're finding benzos in in the in the fentanyl now. So oh, wow. So. You almost have a three, if it's got xylazine and if it's got a benzo in it, now you basically have three different protocols, detox protocols that you have to go through because none of them are the same and nobody knows how to right. detox xylazine for God's sake, right? We know how right. to detox benzos. We know how to detox fentanyl, but that detox is going to be longer than a damn seven days that the insurance company is going to give us. A hundred percent. A hundred thousand percent. I have some clients who it's taking them seven days to even be able to start their sub their sub taper because this drugs are staying in their system for so long. Right. So that's something that we're encountering too. And it, it will take an overhaul because as they continue to uh, like how we were just talking about the government comes in and they change laws and they make rules to fix something without thinking of unintended consequences. And I feel like that happens all the time when they ban this or do this. Like we just uh, got fentanyl test strips to become legal last month in the state of Florida. Mm. Most states, they're still not legal, which is crazy. But, um, you know, there should be test strips for this kind of stuff and more available testing, harm reduction wise, uh, just so people at least know what they're doing. 
Um, but in my opinion, every time they ban something, whether it's xylazine or anything else, if they ban it, something else, something new will come that we're going to have to learn how to treat. So should we talk to her about fentanyl test strips and, uh, <laughs> well, and, 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 and those little harm reduction issues that everybody's got going? Yeah. I mean, why not? I, I think it's always great to get people's varying perspectives. And, you know, it's not something that ever really entered me. I dabbled with different drugs. Thank goodness. Pills. I, I got opioids after I got a minor operation uh i took it with a beer and it made me puke and i was like none of those for me just give me more of the beer um so it's hard for me from a personal standpoint to say because i've never had to approach it but i mean flint you were on methadone for two years and you've detoxed people with suboxone oh, wow. and i mean yeah. so it's it's kind of i mean what is your perspective especially when it comes to long term that's where we have a that's real where we, issue. that's where we have issues like long-term mat use? Yes. Yeah. I mean, to me, so early on in my recovery, I really wasn't, uh, I didn't really believe in any kind of medication. Um, but, you know, I was also a baby and it took me time to realize that some people really do have mental health challenges that aren't going to be fixed by believing in a higher power or like doing right. service work, right? It's deeper than that. Um, but as far as the Mac goes, it's tough because I've seen some people live incredible lives on Matt long-term, uh, when given the proper therapy often in combination with just the subs, which I think is often missing from this whole component is the therapy portion of it. Mm -hmm. It's medication assisted treatment. So there should mm -hmm. be some kind of treatment in there, not just you getting your pills from a doctor. Right. Um, like we had this lady who worked at this facility called Daylight Detox. I worked at for a long time and she was a like Ivy League law person, right? She was a lawyer for a long time. She was an old, older person. She was like in her late sixties, but Careful. she had been on, sorry, Careful. I know. <laughs> <laughs> But she she was on mat and you would never have known it, but she had such a severe addiction to opioids for so long. And, you know, she was looked good, looked happy, showed up to work every day. Um, but what I do get concerned of is uh, when you put a young woman maybe on these medications and they want to have children um, or, or anything like that, you know, it does have some complications or how about you need a surgery? Um, or you need wisdom or anesthesia or anything like that, I think it could cause issues. Um, I do hear a lot of positive things about the sublicate shot. I hear a lot of people say that after they receive the injection, that it's much easier to get off the subs because it's basically giving you a stable amount 24 hours a day and it's like it lingers a little bit in your system and people are saying they have no withdrawals mm -hmm. is it true i don't know but i think that that's a positive uh breakthrough because i think just like smoking you get used to putting something under your tongue three times a day yeah 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 the, the, the look there's there's so much discussion that needs to be on this because first of all i am i am not uh, a fan of fentanyl test strips. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. It's, it's the, it's the angel on one shoulder, devil on the other scenario. 
You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't, and I certainly don't want somebody getting HIV or Hep C or you, you know all all those things with with the needle exchange. Um, but but when you're talking about fentanyl test strips, what about the message that we're sending to young people, saying, "Hey, Billy, we know you know you're going to go out and do a little cocaine on Saturday night." Right. And, you know, here's a fentanyl test strip because we don't want you to die and nobody wants the kid to die. Right. But what message are we sending to the kid that it's still okay to go out and do your fucking cocaine on Saturday night? It's not a a good point. Right. Okay. So, so you take that. Now, is that 15 year old, in my opinion, I've dealt with kids in this business for 16 years. How many, I, I can tell you right now, not many of those kids are going to test that cocaine because one of the statements I hear all the time is, you know, I really trust my drug dealer. <laughs> really? You hear that a lot? Oh, yes. Afraid oh, so. yes. Afraid wow. so. Right. All right. So, so, so you've got, you've got that piece of it. Most of the people that are out there talking about this long-term harm reduction, most of them I don't want to say most of them. There's a good portion of them that are people that care, no doubt about it, sure. but but also people that have lost children to this. And they're talking about it because only if their kid had this stuff, they would still be alive. And that is not necessarily true. True. Very true. Right? They will say anything in hope and hoping to get their kid back, which will never, ever happen. Mm-hmm. So, so, and you also have to break it down again into talk about long-term with, with Zaboxone and talk about long-term with methadone. So let's take methadone, for example. Took me two years to get off of it. They started mm. me at 190 milligrams. Wow. That's, that, that's the top legal dose in the state of California at the time. Wow. Right? I was falling mm-hmm. asleep at traffic lights. I bet. <laughs> right. Every time they would drive, would get down to 110, 120. I'd walk in and go, Hey, this ain't holding me. Okay. And the doctors, yeah, let's just take you up a few more milligrams. Right. Okay. Right. So they're not treatment centers, they're maintenance centers. And everybody knows that methadone is the most difficult drug to come off of, of all time. Mm-hmm. You could have, I'd had one. I had a psychotic break when I tried doing it. People mm. have psychotic breaks. It the, the constipation is so unreal that you, mm. you 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 can't eat, you can barely survive it. In fact, they had to go in and repair almost everything inside of me. All right. Wow. Because of it. And nobody is telling people this when they're talking to them about methadone right. use. Nobody's right. giving them all the information here. Now, right. why and, and in fact, I when we were talking to Bill yesterday, okay. Yeah. We're talking about because DEA controls methadone. Oh, I never knew that. Uh huh. It's under the federal government, DEA, right? Okay. You cannot walk in if you live in Palm Beach and mm-hmm. you go to Delray Beach, you can't walk into Delray Beach to get a, your dose of methadone for the day. Or, right, or travel in general, which is a point Correct. I was going to bring up because I've had my ex boyfriend uh, was on the methadone program. And it was A, waking up at the crack of dawn every single day to get dosed, being around the other individuals at the methadone clinic. Yes. The way they treat you is terrible. 
It's yeah. terrible. And he was a he. First of all, this man was a millionaire. He's a very successful businessman. But then he got had a surgery, played hockey, whatever, had a relapse, and it was a nightmare. Right. But he was traveling for business, and he was going out to California actually. And he couldn't even get a guest dose. You know, they right. couldn't even figure out how to just fax another methadone clinic to make sure he could get his dose. Correct. So yes. Yeah. I agree that more people should be educated on the pros and cons before they begin a treatment like that. Exactly. So my my point is this. If there's a 60-year-old and above that is lives in, again, what we call the two-block area, right? Um, and they really, they're just kind of living, right? Then I don't care if they're on methadone because it's going to, if it keeps them off the needle, keeps them off fentanyl, Absolutely. But why mm -hmm. are we going to keep the 25 year old on it and strapped to it for which could be the rest of their life? Yeah. By the way, whenever you get time, I don't need to mention it here, but whenever you get time, look at the long term health effects of methadone on somebody. It's all the way from heart disease to bowel obstructions to mm. sleep patterns being destroyed. All mm. of it. And, and a lot of that is with Zaboxone as well. My mm -hmm. thing is, is just this, and then I'll shut up. Okay. <laughs> it's being properly educated so people can make the correct choice on it. I'm not here to tell somebody what to do. I'm here to tell somebody, this is what's going to happen to you if you decide to go down this road, this road, or this road. Mm -hmm. Now you make, you, you make the call. Right. And that's I have know, again, to give fine. you a little pushback, Flint. On Absolutely. Push me back. I love this. This is Push so me fun. Back. We got to do this all the time Okay. on the test strips, though. Now, for kids giving kids test strips, I don't know about all that, but I, I did read a lot of studies that show like these large music festivals when these large music festivals offer individuals the ability to test their drugs. They often do. When the drugs come back something different than they think they are, they often do not use them. And there was a large music festival in uh, England or whatever, where they saw a 95% decrease in hospitalizations due to drugs because of them offering testing. So while, yes, I think it could give some people the idea of, well, you know, they give us a test strip to test it so we and it's kind of opening that door to make it okay to use. I think it can be made safer. Also, we had two people overdose after in their honeymoon in their bed because they thought they were doing Molly mm -hmm. and it wasn't Molly. What was it? Fentanyl, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they died. So for recreational drug users, I think it could be a positive thing. Also, the state of Ohio had more overdoses from fentanyl-laced cocaine yes, than fentanyl-laced heroin. And so I know that there's people who do drugs recreationally who are not drug addicts. And I don't believe that someone should have to die because they went to, what was the big club back in the day in New York City? Studio 54. 54. I was yeah. there. I was, I was Imagine there. going to Studio 54 just to have some fun and you do a little blow and you're dead. Like I had a person smoking crack overdose a couple weeks ago. Not normal. This is not what drugs have always been. And because of that, you know, I am, but I do agree kind of with the needle exchanges. I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. 
Well, just to let you know, when I when I was at Studio 54, I was there. OK, in, in, in 1979, they told me I had a great time. <laughs> you had a lot of great time. i had a lot of great time right. okay I, I i really did i really did okay so i love i love what you said i i, I truly do but i'm gonna go back again not a, not a lot of pushback just a hair okay sure dancesafe.org have you heard yes. of them yes okay I that's have. i'm sure that's the music people you're talking about yes mm -hmm. check them out even more Okay. Check out their website more. Check out check out the ads they're putting out there. All right. That will say, uh, what was the what was the one? Uh um instead of instead of injecting fentanyl, try snorting it. Right. Well, no, it was, it was uh, you know instead of snorting, uh try smoking. Yes, that 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 yeah. that, that was so it, it was right. it was it was yeah. It, yeah, it's like where it's where the the total misguided lead it just deviates from the good intentions, you know. So yeah. And remember but, this: they are a they are a corporation that is making money, that is bringing kids in to dance because that's how they that's how they make their living, right? right. They're going to work this thing as much as possible to make sure kids are still coming through that door. And when you talk about statistics. That they saw a 95. That's almost like saying, you know what, the, our treatment center, we 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 have a 99% success rate, which you know is crap. Okay. Right. It's, it's well, some facilities say that or not they 99, do. but they'll say something close to that. Exactly. Right. right? And I know it's yes, crap because we're not went good. That's what that means. They admitted successfully. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. Because we're nowhere near that. Right. In fact, it's so hard mm -hmm. to keep a, it's you can't even keep a statistic on on something like that, because after right. they leave, where do they go? If you don't right. if they're not in your program, who the hell knows? But again, getting back to these guys, 95 percent, I would have rather them said 60 percent. And I might have I might have maybe even believed it a little bit. But 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 where do they get their stats? Right. Where do they get their stats? The hospitals aren't going to allow them to see those stats. Right. That's a good point. I will look into it more. Yeah. Because I yeah. under because, you know, something that I have learned also in the past couple of years is advocates. Often have good intentions, but the things that they advocate for are not always good. Yeah. In a simple way. They're not always right. going to work out the way they think they are. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at Pain Nonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. And I've right. only really learned this from the homelessness crisis. I'm sure you guys are in California. You see it on a larger scale than us, but we're experiencing it big time. But we have a lot of advocates who advocate for these individuals to do drugs outside, live outside, uh, very mentally ill, drug addicted in their own feces like it's okay. And I don't agree with that. You know, right. I don't agree that that's how we should treat our most vulnerable. I don't agree that that's the best method for them to have a happy, healthy life. I don't believe that they even are in control of their life. Um, that, like they have any of that self control that we have to make our decisions right. every day. Um, 
And, and but I, I do see their fight and it, it does scare me because I see their fight making things so much worse because it has made it harder for me to get people into treatment. Also, because like you said, while they're outside, they bring them food, Narcan, clean needles, clothing, shower truck, all that stuff to kind of, and it does enable of them to stay outside longer or die there and never make it into recovery. You've touched on my favorite thing. Tell me. Advocates. <laughs> yeah, well, no, because people so often connect that to the decrim, you know, that people love to say, oh, decrim, like, yes, look, all of us know, you know, Flint knows, I know, my my addiction, everybody's, that's not a moral failure. No, right. we agree with right. you. Now, if someone robs, steals, whatever to feed their addiction, obviously a criminal activity, but it's just as fucking criminal to leave them on the streets to die. Or to go, or the approach we're getting here. Well, we've secured a hotel. No, what you've done is created a future trap house. Right. And that's right. what it's doing. Right. right. That's what their housing first model does. It goes, you're smoking crack and shooting heroin. We're going to put you in your own apartment. And not only that, we're going to also remove you from all these people you know and isolate you in your own apartment. Right. Right. So, and often our clients aren't even living in those places we're paying for. They're right back on the street. They're letting somebody else live there and collecting their rent. Yeah. So it's a broken system, everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's a BS method to, 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 to simply see, we cleaned up your streets. No, no you didn't you do didn't. jack shit. You mm -hmm. haven't done anything but sit and try to pacify your guilt. You want help? Yep. You brought it up earlier where you've seen medically assisted treatment. What else do they get? Therapy. I know your backstory, Ali. You had a traumatic childhood and to thrive who you are now, I'm so proud of you. But Thank there was therapy so involved. There was work yeah. that had to be done <laughs> beyond. I'm just, yeah, okay, no drugs in my system. Great. Doesn't mean all these other things and I develop tools to deal with it. I just think it's the most sure. heartless thing you can do. Yeah. We see it in San Francisco, LA. Yeah. We see it when we drive through here in Fresno. I see it on a small scale in the small town I live in. It is mm -hmm. everywhere. And how heartless are you? You're just leaving people to die. That's it. Yeah. Literally. Oh, and we're keeping them on life support while they're out there because people don't sure. want to watch zombies walk around their neighborhood, you know, but also, like you said, with the criminal justice system, that's the point of intervention that we need, right? Intervention, treatment, recovery. That's how that's supposed to work when there's no intervention. I mean, we have people that break the law every day. Just oh God, the things I that know. they do and get away with. And it, it robs them of that opportunity. For me, when I, every time I've been in jail, I deserve to be there. Promise you guys that. <laughs> I didn't want to be there, but I deserved it. Okay. Right. And not being let out immediately after I got arrested gave me time to think about why I'm in there and why I'm making these decisions. And then that time would also give, because down here we have people that go into the jails, peers, that meet with somebody who's been arrested multiple times or has a substance use disorder to see if they want to go to treatment. Right. And then they'll go to the judge and they'll try to fight for them to make that a reality. But when we just let people out, they're not even getting any of that. That never happens. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, well and we're letting dealers out here. Oh, I mean, God. so let's not uh, even yeah, yeah, go, yeah. That I mean, go down that road of every yeah. drug dealer just walks away in the state of California. They, they, they just, they just walk away. You know, wow. it, it, it's it's unbelievably. And in, in fact, I, I was telling this yesterday, our um, 
our assistant here, Pam Smith, who lost her son seven years ago. We were in Sacramento a couple of months ago and one assemblywoman and Pam told her story, of course, about her son, Jackson. And um, and this was truly an accidental overdose, by the way. This was seven years ago. Nobody even heard of fentanyl. Uh, he thought he was buying a Percocet and bam, and, and, and it happened. But this assemblywoman looks at Pam and goes, oh, Miss Smith, she says, I, we grieve with you. We grieve with you. But would it really do any good to put this person in prison now? And I'm sitting there and our, our assemblyman's uh, secretary was sitting next to me and she's tapping me on the leg and she's going, calm down. Don't jump out of your chair. Cause I, I, I was going to have, I was going to go to jail that day. And, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and what happened was is that she might as well have gotten up and hit Pam right in the gut, giving her a gut punch. Oh. You know, how do you, how do you even say that as a, as a politician, to a grieving mother, to a grieving mother of all things. But, but to the point is, is they don't understand. I have finally realized I've come to the realization I've, I've, after been into, being to many of these things, these people don't, they just flat out don't get it. They don't understand. Yep. That's what it is. I, I don't even, I don't even know if it's a don't care thing. Mm. I think they're just stupid, <laughs> and, uh, right? And they're and they're not going to listen to us. You're nicer no. than me because I totally think it's like, hmm. Will this get me reelected? Will this well, get yeah. what I need to get passed? No, In I California, I, yeah. Well, yeah, that too. I kind of look at it as the more evil, nefarious side. That's just how I am. <laughs> like uh, uh, Flint works with uh, Assembly Member Jim Patterson. One of the few politicians that I absolutely adore. So really it's like, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, he's all but I don't know. I mean, what do you see in Florida? Well, you know, what I see is people that have been in their positions for a very long time where I've worked their way up. And they're the ones that came up with these ideas and policies that are not working. And I believe that they don't want to admit that their ideas that they've been implementing for this long are not working. Like our homeless shelter system needs to be destroyed. Yes. It needs to be dismantled and flipped on its head completely. And, um, you know, the only thing I can be grateful for that we've gone in the right direction to is the treatment in our area, being able to have that grant money to offer individuals the opportunity to go to a private facility has been the biggest blessing our area has received in a very, very long time, but still, what do you think they're missing? I'm going to guess aftercare. Sober living, aftercare. So you're giving these people an unbelievable opportunity to get better, but at the end, you're dropping them. Mm -hmm. And they don't have that opportunity to continue, many of them, right? Many we try to get vouchers for, for transitional living and all this stuff. But I had a client the other day, granted, he was an individual who was in foster care most of his life. Because of that, he became entrenched in the homeless system, drug use, got shot multiple times last year. I was in the hospital with him. And um, finally, he decided to go to rehab. So I got him into treatment. And I've been telling him, because he always worked with the youth services, but now he's 25. So I said, bro, your days are numbered. That Medicaid, ta-ta. Yeah. This, goodbye. Like, it's all going to change. But when he got up to transitional living, because we had done so much for him his entire life, he did not know how to make a resume, how to do right. a job interview, how to survive on his own. He inevitably failed and is back down here. And just this week was raising hell, throwing garbage cans and all sorts of shit, you know, at my office. So we do a disservice at a point 
uh, when we don't allow people to do what they can do yeah. for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. There, Allie, there's, 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 and, and the reason why I was on my phone for a second here, because and, and, I just lost the name of it and I'm, I'm so irritated, but when I find it, I will send it to you. There, there was a doctor back in the 1920s that started, and it's, it's just on the tip of my tongue, that started a treatment program that lasted up until 1966. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And, and again, it's, 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 it's sitting right here and I can't, I can't get ah, it. Yes. Dr. Shiver. That's, that's, that's the one. That's the one. Um, but here, but here's my point to that. This thing lasted from the twenties to the mid sixties. And it was, and I want you to hear this. It was a 32 day program. Mm -hmm. They had a special concoction that could, and it was all for alcoholism because that's what it was in those days. The belladonna treatment? Nope. Nope. If no. you say it, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll know it. Dr. God, I want to say Kelly something, but it's not. Um, uh, yeah. 32 day program. They had a special potion, an injectable that could cure alcoholism. All right. I mean, what does that tell you with other treatment centers? Hey, we, we, we can cure your addiction, right? Right. I, I right. Mean, it was the same. It was the same identical treatment center that as it is now. There's a few different things, obviously. Okay. But in as a whole, it's, we haven't changed shit. Right. We, that's my point. Keely, that's it. Dr. Keely, K-E-E-L-A-Y. <laughs> Write that one down. Okay. And just, and, and then after you look him up, call me, I'm going to give you my number. Call me because I, I, awesome. I want it. I want I want your opinion on this. Cool. But that's, that's kind of my whole point here to a lot of this stuff is, is that sure. Other things have changed. I'm not saying it's all the same, but for the most part, the format's the same, mm. right? We all know, we all know sitting here, the three of us that, that 30 days doesn't do it. We all know 60 days doesn't do it. 90 days doesn't do it. If we mm -hmm. want to change, then we have to, we almost have to have to take the shots Okay, that, that that come with it in 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 order to make the change. It's not going to be pretty at first, you know. Right. It's right. it's it's just not. But mm -hmm. but damn it, we 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 better do something here. And I'm going to say this like I tell almost everybody that that we talk to because you're all just you know, 30, 40 years younger than I am. <laughs> Jesus, you guys, you guys are the ones that are going to have to take this and run with it. You, right. you know. I, I mean, I can't tell you how pleased I am with Jason. You, other people that we've we've talked on this thing, that the, the younger generation, because there's some of us old guys that, yeah, we're still going to stand up and fight. And we're still going to go talk our shit to people and we're still going to do it. But I firmly believe we've we've lost this this generation that's behind us. Mm -hmm. I really I I, re I really do. We, mm -hmm. we, we all know how long it takes for that brain to heal, yes. right? We all know that the human brain doesn't become fully mature to the age of 26 without drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. So why are we expecting something different? Why, why are we expecting some miracle to happen here, right? right. Change mm -hmm. takes time. And if we don't start to make that change, all we're doing is taking 10 steps backwards every single day. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're, we're barely making a, a difference, really. I mean, it, it sounds sad 
to individuals, we make a difference, but as a whole, the numbers are not changing. That's it. Yeah. That's, so, that's what I was going to say. Oh, you know, our mantra, you know, if we saved one person today, we did our job. Right. Right. But right. there's more out there that, that, that need this. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to happen doing one person a day. No, no, it's not. Well, what do you, yeah. what do you think would be like the ideal treatment? And obviously there needs to probably be a lot of different types of programs for a lot of different people. But yeah. what do you think ideally could replace the 30 day treatment stint? One year. One year. One yeah. year. Of like a um like a recovery community type thing or actual rehab for a full year or I'm ta I'm talking residential. Where mm -hmm. that person again, it's different between residential and sober living. See, when you right. get it, and 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 I'm sure you know this. I I own a sober living home. When you get into sober living, very few of those places practice sobriety techniques in the sober living. Once they get there, it's 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 their apartment. It's it's their bed. It's where they mm -hmm. live. They may go to a couple outdoor meetings. Right. But for, but for, and we drug test, we do all that crap. Right. But but that's pretty much it. So to have that residential place that somebody goes to for that one year, by the way, like you said it, and you said it, the, the therapy side of this that has it has to be they have to be fully committed. And but we the argument is going to be, well, not everybody wants to get clean and sober. Not everybody can get clean and sober. no but we need to give them a shot. Yeah. Right. A true opportunity. True opportunity. Yeah. I was uh, arguing with the, not arguing, but having a, a friendly discussion with a good <laughs> friend of mine who works at a different organization. And we were arguing about housing first. And I said, well, Joey, how did you get sober? And he goes, well, I went to long-term treatment, went to halfway house. I said, yeah, me too. I went to transitional living after long-term treatment. So yeah. both of us, got better the same way. Does that tell you anything that maybe what you're saying is not the best because it didn't work for anybody we know? Right, yeah. uh, we got to start <laughs> doing things that work for people we can see that it's working for. You bet. Yeah. yeah. We we can't just, uh, you know, to give a visual for people because I love it. We can't just kind of shine the light on this thing. We got to light the whole damn like map of options here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, like you said, you had a young man. No, no jobs. Could, so many don't even know what a dang resume is. There's some people right. and we actually have a beautiful program in the little town I live in called Merced, where they're getting these guys and, and some women, it's mostly males that we're seeing first jobs. And some of them, you know, I go wow. to celebrate recovery with and it's like, sorry, I stink. I just got done and their jobs picking up trash on the side of the road. But it's building a resume. Right. You know, and it's about that stuff. So I like I agree with you, Flint. We gotta, you know, go through this process. And maybe some people it's not gonna be necessary for everyone, right? But let's give them the option, yeah. the opportunity. Right. You can't tell me government, you're not pissing away a ton of money in some other areas with a lot of well. I want to know how you guys feel about the $22 million California gave in San Francisco for them to start the open air drug market. Oh God. It's our favorite thing. It's our favorite thing. Whereas the assembly member I was mentioning earlier, got a bill passed to help with greater awareness of fentanyl and everything else. And uh, yeah, you got a drop in the bucket with 4 million by the end of it. Yeah. But we're going to give 22 million what? to one city to, you know, like have a 
And I heard almost no one was sent to treatment from the. No. no. Whatever you want to call it, the encampment, basically. No. Nope. That is no. just unbelievable that they had that much money to test out a harm reduction strategy, but they don't have that kind of funding for long-term treatment, which I believe is there has to be statistics showing that that has a huge success rate compared to what we're trying. Well, wait a minute. I mean, you don't, don't you know that gov- our governor Newsom here knows how to print money in his basement? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. He does. Yeah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so, so 22 million, not a problem. 40, $40 billion for, for, for our, our, our high, high speed rail to go through the San Joaquin Valley, which is in chunks right now. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, he's just, he's just printing money. Okay. The, wow. the best part of that, Allie, I know you're not really going to follow it. So with the high speed rail, like Flint was saying billions. And if you trace them, it's a lot of his family members and their businesses that mm-hmm. got the money. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, it's like, well, we're not going to be able to do from the Central Valley to L.A. So we're going to do do it from Merced, where I live, to Bakersfield. Motherfucker, we already have trains going there. We already have trains going there. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's like, oh, yeah. like That's what how they kind? do stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, they, they constantly duplicate services yeah. or whatever it is. I see it all the time. I go, like for us, a big issue is it's very expensive where I live. I know it's expensive where y'all are at too, but our housing prices have like tripled since COVID. Like it's just not what we're used to um, at all. And, but the Western community is very, still very cheap, but it's ghetto. It's Belglade. If you ever look it up, it's sugarcane, old farm workers, migrant workers. Like it's just dilapidated. But I told them, why not come up with a high speed rail from here to there? So these people can actually afford to live there come over here and be able to get back and forth, but still not leave their home base where their doctors are, their family are, because you're gentrifying the area and you're kicking them all out of their homes. That's the reality of the situation. So I like the high speed rail where it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) My idea yet, but I think. Yeah, no, here it makes no sense. Like anybody, it's like, no, if I was going to LA, you go to LA, you're like, I want my car. You're going to need your car. car. Why would you jump on a train, you know, to go and rent a car? Okay. Well, if you can afford to go down there and rent a car, guess what you're going to do? Hey, Flint, what time's our flight leave? (laughs) Right, right. Oh my um, gosh! Yeah, but it is. It's the it's continual show pissing away of the money. I mean, really, twenty-two million, and I'm sure the intent was, well, look how it looked worked in Portugal. Well, then you better kind of follow what happened in Portugal, right? And they never decriminalized, right. by the way. Like if you go and really research what they did, one of the model places of this harm reduction method, you know, it was yeah, you have to go into treatment intervention. Massive intervention is what they do. They don't just let you do drugs outside. If you're doing drugs outside, they go, you know who we're going to call? Your family, your friends, the judge, and have all these people in one room telling you, you need to go get help because it's not appropriate to smoke crack outside next to your neighbor's house and little kids running around. You obviously have an issue. How can we help? Which I think is great. I love that idea. I'm all about the, hey, we're all here and we'd like for you to do something different (laughs) vibe. I think it's loving. It is. You know, I think it, I always tell them, if y'all see me ever walking the streets of downtown West Palm Beach, 
doing drugs, lock my ass up. Do me a favor, okay? Do me a favor. I need you guys to get me out of there because I'm in a situation I don't want to be in. And if I'm there, I've lost control over my ability to get out of there. Right. So I need help, right? right? And so, yes. You guys are so awesome. This is uh, awesome. Thank you. So are you. You're the best. <laughs> we're, we're, we should do a weekly show with Amy. Right. Allie right. Here. I, mean, I mean, right? I Allie's so. Corner. Allie's Corner. Here we go. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so what else are you, I, I mean, not that you're not busy enough. Are we going to return to any of the TV work? Is that just kind of, we feel that's left behind? You've told the message you want to tell. I mean, um, I mean, it was a great opportunity and such a cool experience. I never, I didn't think we'd ever have a TV show out of our documentary or that even that would become a real film. I just thought we're, oh, here's some cameras. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to make a movie, right? Um, so that anything came out of it is really such a blessing. And the fact that it allowed me to uh, gain a little bit of, you know, it gave me the ability to even have the job I have now. Like I said, the police chief is the one who helped me get my job and he found me through my show. And so it just gave me what I needed as far as credibility, because I just got my associates a year ago. I'm working on my bachelor's now. So this whole time I've been without degree and this and all these felonies. And so it really has um, given me that opportunity. I do have my, I have a podcast called Back Alley Chat. And um, I like that. So that's been really, really cool. Uh, I kind of, I did want to put out content because I love making content, um, especially educational stuff, but I didn't have any time to edit on my own or whatever. So um, I started doing that. And yeah, this job has, today I was trying to leave to come here and I'm like, how am I the only one with the master key? So I'm waiting for everyone to leave. I'm like, guys, I got to go. Let's do no one cares about my time. They wanted me there till 10 o'clock tonight. And I was just like, I'm confused how I'm like one of the lowest paid people here and like do all the shitty work. Like, why do I get all the shitty work? I don't get it. So I think they're putting me through some kind of a uh, hazing experiment. I don't know. But um, it, it has been interesting and it has given me the ability to like, um, like I said, those billion, or I don't know if I was telling you guys, but I've, I get to meet with a lot of influential and affluent individuals in my area. And so my goal has always been since I took this position was this is, I hate to keep, keep complaining about the money, but this fucking shit does not pay well. <laughs> and this oh. is the lowest amount of money I've made in my life since I, since 20 years old. You know, finally, I got a raise and I got promoted and whatever. They're allegedly going to give us a big raise in October, which everyone deserves. Um, but my goal has always been to do an amazing job. So everybody knows that I'm a reliable partner and somebody who cares and is educated so that when I do leave the city, I have a lot of great contacts and connections so I can do something that truly makes a difference in my community beyond what they're doing now because like i said i don't feel like it works but i wanted to find out how does grant grant funding work how how do you know nonprofits work how do intergovernmental agents like how does all this stuff happen that's been my goal to learn about that since taking this position so i feel like i've learned a lot there's a lot to learn though a lot more than i thought 
Um, but it's, it's been a really nice opportunity. And again, it, and it really only became because of my show and, uh, you know, chief Morris helping me out. So I'm like the first person they've ever hired with the background, like I have and, um, being a peer and all that stuff. So I also think to myself how important it is for, again, me to do a very good job so they continue to hire people with lived experience and all that kind of stuff too. Very nice. Very nice. And I'll tell you what, if you ever, seriously, if you ever want any information on nonprofits and how to start them and all that, just yes. seriously, give me a call. I mean, awesome. I've been doing this for fifth, over 15 years. So it's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm more than happy to help out people that want to, that seriously want to do this. Okay. And have mm-hmm. a heart for it because you have to have a heart for it. Uh, right. doesn't mean you got to be a pushover by any means. That's, mm-hmm. that's the other thing, but you, but you have to have that heart for it, uh, in order to put up with all the bullshit that you're going to go through. <laughs> right. I'm just going to tell you straight up. That's what it is. Right. Uh, I believe it, <laughs> but it's worth, but it's worth, I got to tell you, it's worth every second of bitching, complaining and moaning because the, the, the good times, the people that you see, the people that you help, the people that you get to meet, that you get to bring in. Okay. Is, is it, it, it can't be beat. Yeah. It, it, it just can't be. Yeah. What? You know, was it your lived experience that made you want to do nonprofits or was it aggravation with not seeing certain uh, services be available? What what caused you to start yours? No, none of that. Um, <laughs> first of all, I had a really good business. OK, before, okay. Uh, um, you know, but I, you know, I got sober in 2001. I didn't start this until 2009. Uh, it took me seven years. I really wanted it while I was doing my other business. I still wanted to think about things and where I wanted to go. And then I do have a theatrical background. And so I, I love speaking in front of people. So I, I'm going to tell her this, this quick story. So, okay. So oh, you may never have told it to me. Well, oh, well, I, yeah, the, the tooth thing. I, 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 oh, the tooth yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so in, in, uh, uh, in, in 2008, it's my best friend who got me into treatment. We've known each other now for 52 years, I think it is. Um, wow. And um, so I got my first speaking engagement. In in, uh, in in 2009, actually, we started this thing first, but my teeth were really messed up from all my all the drug use and all the sugar. Right. And just just everything. And so the night before I had to go speak at this local church, that's all it was that uh, a tooth, not dead center, but off to the side, just dropped out. Okay. <laughs> Swear to God. So, oh, no. <laughs> so I go over to my friend's house and I'm talking like this, right? Cause, cause I didn't want him to see it. I go, this tooth just fell out. I go, can you tell? And he goes, <laughs> Oh, it looks good. He goes, he's just screwing with me. He goes, it looks good. All right. No problem. Go do your speech. Right. <laughs> So I go do the speech the next night. And it was fine. Nobody said anything, right? And so the next day, he, he calls me up and he and he goes, um, "Are you happy with your dentist?" And I go, "I don't know." I go, "I guess we're trying to piecemeal <laughs> this thing together. I don't have insurance, dental insurance right now." Blah blah blah. And then it, then it dawned on me where he was going with this. And I go, no, I go, no, you're not. And he goes, yes, I am. He says, you have an appointment with my dentist Monday morning at 10 o'clock. You're getting all new teeth. Goodbye. Click. And he <gasps> slams down the phone. And, and uh, it, yeah, and it was, I mean, he played for, paid for every implant in my mouth. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But he did it because I stayed clean and sober those, those, those eight years. Right. And, right. and so, um, uh, and so with that, 
I just wanted to go out and tell my story. Mm-hmm. And because my story does, it goes real deep. And um, and then the speaking engagement started to come. And then people started calling me and going, hey, I got a kid over here. We don't know what to do, right? Can you help my son? Can you help my daughter? Can you help this? And I'm from Fresno. I was born and raised here. So I knew a lot of people, put a board together. I said, let's get a 501c3 going here and see what happens. And then in 2021, we got California Nonprofit of the Year. So there it is. That's so cool. Yeah. How cool is that? But it was, but it's not without, it's not without some heartache. It's not without some, some sleepless nights, you know, Mm -hmm. all all, all those different things. It's like any other Mm -hmm. business. In fact, I think it's harder. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I do. (laughs) Because everybody thinks that all your services, like you're a nonprofit. What, why, why would it's like, yeah, we don't, you know, like my charm and, and wit doesn't keep the lights on. <laughs> Good looks don't pay the bills, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've told people, I said, you know, there's local hospitals that are nonprofits. I said, try not paying your bill at Children's Hospital. Okay, see where that gets you. Right. Your ass yeah. is going to be in small claims court, you know. Right. But anyway, you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, the good Lord gets you through most of it. So there you go. Uh, one of my favorite quotes. So I'm in business my degree is a business degree um, with a concentration of entrepreneurship. And one of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard from a teacher is entrepreneurship is violence. (laughs) 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 I always say it to my boyfriend and now he says it all the time. He goes, I go, how was your day? He goes, violence. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I haven't heard that. And I love that. Okay. I love that. Uh, Right. Yeah. I go home. I go home and everybody's like, oh God, get away from dad. Okay. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. I know it's a lot. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, No, no. I just, I love what you guys are doing. I think what a cool duo you two are. Oh, and, thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on and thanks for offering to assist me, you know, Absolutely. and I'm going to pick you up on that. So I hope that's okay. I'm going to have Jason send you my, my cell. Okay. Our office cool. number, my email. I got a couple emails, whatever, send them all. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> Can do. Got it. And uh, we'll put all your contact information in the podcast description. Anybody wants to find out more about Ali? I mean, I recommend going and looking up American Relapse, guys. You can find it. You can find Dope Sick Nation. Um, they're great resources. And one of the things that I love about them, too, Ali, and not just, I mean, your personality, but to know your story, how far you've come. And, and it's it's so awesome that you document it because this is the kind of stuff that we should be showing our yeah. teenagers. Yeah. We really yeah. should because it's it, you're so relatable there. Yeah. Your story is, I mean, number one thing, you know, people, oh, the gateway drug, is it alcohol? Is it? And it no, for, for the vast majority of us, it's trauma. Right. You know? And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, from what you came from, I mean, we, we didn't get into stories, people, but you <laughs> That's can. That's the next episode. Because that story is out there of going to Disney World with friends, coming home, parent gone, you know? I right, mean, it's just right. like, yeah. uh, wow. So, you know, I just, I applaud you. You bet. And I'm proud Thank of you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. You bet. Mr. Anderson. You. Nope. You said it. You, you you just said it all. Uh, no, I think you're amazing. I, 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 I truly do. Um, I can tell when people are genuine and 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 when they have that heart it's it's the it's the look in your eye it's the look in your face you know and and that's that's what it is and and that is going to go miles 
you know, with, with, with what you have to offer. And people are going to listen to that people, people out there, they know when they're being bullshitted, you know? Um, and, and even me grouchy as hell and all those other things, it's, it's true. You know, it's the truth. It's I'm, I'm, I vowed I was always going to tell the truth and never, never shy away from it. You know, you, you can't because I care too much. I don't want anybody to have to go through what I went through. And sometimes you just got to get a little angry. Sometimes you got to be really happy. Okay. And you got to use both of that. And, and you, mm -hmm. God, you've just got it. I mean, yeah. she's just got it. Yeah. So kick some ass for us, will you? Thank you, guys. I'm going to do my part over <laughs> there here in the East Coast. There she goes. Uh, <laughs> and he's not as grumpy as he portrays, trust me. Well, I know it. I can tell. It's just a facade. <laughs> you just see me. They can tell when I'm about to be grumpy at work. They're like, uh-oh, Allie. One, two. I'm like, oh. <laughs> If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or check us out online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media at Pain Nonprofit. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. To donate, please click the link in the description and help us save more lives gripped by addiction.